Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her cyber companion, Philip Gilfus. Oh, if you're a cyber companion, then at what point do I get to get an upgrade? Uh, well, it depends how many years you have in. Okay. And then do you get a free upgrade with your current plan? Uh-huh. So I feel like I've how put, many a lot of, put a lot into this contract. Well, there's only been a year contract so far. I think it takes more than a year to get an upgrade. So far, but I've signed on the dotted line. Right. So, I'm ready for an upgrade. We'll see. I'd like one with HD, please. There's a period of good behavior as well, I think. On your part? Well, in that case, I'm never getting the upgrade. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, trying to think of Doctor Who things recently. I guess we still haven't... We, we talked about it last week, but we were, were listening to the Big Finish Torchwood. Yes, yep. Believe uh, is a recent Big Finish release with the original OG uh, Torchwood cast, and we still have the third part, I guess. I was going to say, I part. didn't think Whatever it was finished. We it. have the final part. <laughs> anyway, right. I don't know. Do we want to talk about it now, or do you wait, want to wait till it's finished? Yeah, let's wait till it's finished. Okay, so, so we still come have back the... to us next week on That's that right. one. Yeah, so Believe. So um, check it out if you <laughs> haven't already for Big Finish production. Um, we've been watching a little bit more of the Twelfth Doctor. Yes. This is sort of the final series. Yes, we're starting to build up to it. Missy's just gotten out. Out of her cage, if yep. you will. Uh, Nardal let her out, which is particularly ironic considering how much of this season he spent telling the Doctor to leave it alone and not talk to her and not give her a pony. What did Piano. she want a po- Well, no, but she wanted like a pony or something, <laughs> didn't she? Although he does give her a piano, so there's that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, again, I, it's interesting to watch the 12th Doctor's hair get bigger as the yes, series go on. absolutely. Bless his heart. And, again, I, I seem to have a, all the Doctor's hairs tend to get bigger, except for nine. His is always the same. Yes. But, but, yeah. uh, but he know, only had one year to, to yeah, cultivate exactly. the growth. So, But uh, I think, you know, ten, you know, sort of had small hair. And then he sort of had his distinctive spikes by the time he called it the quits yes yeah and then 11 i mean you know uh, matt had sort of long hair in the back but it because was he st- thought he was a girl yeah but it was still kind of short if you go to the 11th hour but by the day of the doctor no not the day of the, doctor, the time of the doctor um his last outing i mean he sort of has like the egon from ghostbusters curl at that point so yeah uh, it goes a bit mad which may be metaphorical i wonder i'd be interested to know if that is a choice <laughs> mm-hmm. that they make as the time goes on but that's a bad uh episode to pick because he's actually wearing a wig i believe um because he's if you remember he's bald oh right yes i think he was doing some part at that point but anyway yeah which was funny because i think the irony i heard was the irony of him and amy at the end is that they're both wearing wigs because she of course was bald for nebula yeah Yeah. guardians so she was wearing a wig as well so that was sort of funny all all the baldies running around Mm -hmm. fantastic but how (laughs) how have you uh you know appreciated the 12th doctor and this view around 
I enjoyed it the first time anyway, mm-hmm. um, particularly once we get to Bill. And I always enjoy Missy. So I think this is one of my, my favorite seasons, certainly my favorite season of his, because I think the three of them, and Nardole, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leave out uh, his Matt Lucas. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, it's just a fun combination of people. I thought it was interesting, I'm trying to remember which episode it was, uh, the tart he he kind of runs to the TARDIS and it kind of takes him home for the episode and comes back at the end. So that's sort, of, sort of like uh, Matt, we just need you for like two scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just thought that was sort of interesting. Um, what times you need him and don't. But anyway, so we were talking a little bit about planned cosplays, getting ready for Galley One next year. But we have the fateful. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, so we tend to go back there, and it's sort of, um, I don't want to say nascent, but it's going to be on its third year, but toddler. But we, we call it your home Comic Con. Yeah. yeah, because it's, it's con. the first year I went, I wasn't expecting a lot. I just thought it was cool, you know, hometown's doing a Comic Con, let's see what it looks like. But it was actually pretty good, I mean, for what, in North Carolina at least, I mean, you know, not nothing like Charlotte standards, but what I've seen in Raleigh and, and Durham, it's actually pretty comparable, and it's growing every year as far as things that it offers um, yeah lou ferrigno was there last year and then flash uh, uh what his name i don't know yeah exactly uh, uh, him i didn't know but <laughs> lou ferrigno whom i saw once when i was a small child uh-huh. um so that was kind of nice yeah I now, like... were you small or did you just appear big no okay. <laughs> i was and i was just really far away okay uh <laughs> but i like the offerings because you know it has a sort of traditional layout you know because it's in a um big expo space i don't yeah, know what the yeah. term for that expo is center, yeah, i don't think, know what the yeah. neutral term but yes um and no, so i think that is the neutral. okay so but you sort of have the first half or the front half um being vendors just mm-hmm. merchandise of various and sundry and then your sort of second half being your more comic you know um, illustrators and, and actual you know in actual comic cons sometimes rare to actually have comics at a comic con these days but you sort of have your writers and all those and at the table that's what your second half and then they sort of played around with other space they sort of have a stage yep that they've set up for that they do random kind of things cosplay competition aerial uh that yeah. last year and i think the year before i think both times they've had silks yes, and, i was trying to remember the word yeah things like that um people who are in some sort of costume mm-hmm. um, for that sort of thing. There have been little dance Karaoke, parties yeah. for the kids. It's very sort of all ages, yeah. Um, and then they'll sort of have your sort of celebrities. They'll have their sort of spaces where they're doing autographs, and you know whether it's Power Rangers or Lou Ferrigno or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sure, and of... then further back, yeah, and that's, are no, the panel spaces that well, and that's where a lot of the illustrators and things are. Yeah, and that's sort of the newness. They started the second year of using the space because it's in this Coliseum complex in Fayetteville. Because you know, further, it's all no, it's all connected. They have an expo connected to the Coliseum, which is sort of where the hockey teams and the concerts and all that are. So they don't go all the way back necessarily, though they do kind of touch it where it's all connected. So you go further back, like you said. So you sort of get the panel area. It's almost like a hotel where you have these sort of meeting rooms. Yeah, And yeah. they had, what's his name, Vic? I'm forgetting his last name. Um, but he's known for doing voice actor work. He's also known for being Captain Kirk in Star Trek Continues. I just can't remember his last name for the moment. But anyway, if you know who that is, you know who that is. But anyway, he, I think he was talking a little bit about his voice work in Star Trek. and uh, Voice work and Star Trek. He hasn't done voice work in Star Trek as far as I know. Um, and everything else. And then they've had some other folks. 
one or two other people that they had sort of talking, and then they did sort of have panels, then they had sort of uh, speed dating. I was going to say, yes, I was going to bring up the, the sci-fi speed dating, which uh, we'd, we have we have talked some about, you know, oh, we should just do that. <laughs> <laughs> See what the options are. See what the options See what we've are, yeah. Well, I think um, it's interesting because it, it's a safe space. Hopefully, hopefully it's a safe yeah, space, right? Yeah. I, mean, I guess you know, I'm presuming too much, but it's a safe space in as much as a a safe space of culture, nerd culture. Um, so hopefully you are meeting people of like interest and like, you know, whatever. And then hopefully, I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume it's a safe space in as much as, you know, you're not hopefully going to, you know, get grabbed or inappropriateness or whatever. But yeah. hopefully they've worked to make that. So I shouldn't assume that. But one would assume it's a safe space for that as well. And yeah. So- and I think a nice space for finding like-minded people. Mm-hmm. That you would be looking for, as you say, you know, their geekdom might not be your geekdom, but it's all about the geekdom. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a nice non-judgmental, you know, oh, I don't particularly like that particular brand, but I'm not going to look at you like you're a freak of nature. And, um, I, and, I, and I don't, I, I'm trying to remember whether I've dreamed this up or whether I've heard how they did it. Like, I assume it's one group sits Yes, and the other I mean, groups and, uh, moves. Ha- having not done that, but having done speed dating mm-hmm. about a hundred years ago, um, yes, um, usually one. The one I think I just did one. I might have done two when I was overseas, and the women stayed in one space, and the men moved from table to table at the ding of a bell. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting how they organize in our modern world. How they, you know. Mm. Where it wouldn't just be men and women. I don't know how they do it these days. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's fair. Perhaps it's a preference choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are seeking, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Klingons. Klingons, or... yeah, which is normally. Now, we've done the Fayetteville uh, Comic Con twice. Right. We've done the Greensboro Comic Con in mm. its nascent year. Yeah, it was his first year last year in was Greensboro, North Carolina, which is actually fairly, well... I'm going to say how it compares to Fable. I'd say it's almost bigger, but I don't know without looking at numbers. But anyway, certainly I would think a, a bigger I access to bigger. culture. Yes, yeah. but a smaller space. Yeah, which I thought challenged them. Yes, and a bit of a confusing space. Yeah. Um, but first year, right. we're not going to judge too much. No, yeah, no, not at all. Just hope they know where to grow. Yeah, one of the so those are the three cons that I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um. And what I've not ever... There are two things I've never done that maybe I'd like to consider doing at the Fayetteville Comic Con this year. Right. One is buy anything. Okay. And I don't know what you're looking for. What do you, what, do you, what would you buy? I don't know. Fayetteville both times have had these gorgeous little fascinator hats that I love more than anything else. Um, I, mean, I haven't been able to justify the expense because I'm like, what would I do with it otherwise, other than hold it and go, oh, look, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> um, well, and I think sometimes, I won't speak, just correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to speak for you, but some of the craft things often call to you. Yes, yeah, t-shirts. Okay. Well, no, I'm not remembering like crafty, literally crafty stuff that have been handmade. I'm trying to remember stuff that attracted you. Was it like? Pot, pot of plant, or it's just whimsical things that people have made that yes, some, you sometimes yeah, look at. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the, the things we've seen that have called you particularly. But anyway, 
Yeah, so I haven't, I'll have to sort of bu- keep that in mind when I'm thinking about budget, yeah. you know, of, of putting something aside just for something whimsical. Because you're not as much of a knick-knack person as I am, so I don't know what caused you necessarily. Yeah, uh, well, I think that that's true. I like for things to be a little more functional. The other thing I haven't done, which mm-hmm. I'd like to consider doing at the Fayetteville one, although it may not be something that calls to us, so mm-hmm. to speak, we, I haven't done any panels. Or oh okay, um, yeah, any of that sort we'll of thing. Yeah, so that would be interesting. Yeah, and having gone to more things, I guess it just depends what you like. I I, I think you know this obviously was a, a fairly large con, of course not Doctor Who. So I apologize, listeners, if you bear with me for a moment. But when I went to Star Trek Vegas for their fiftieth, uh, for the fiftieth year of Star Trek, um, there were lots of panels, and they would have a wide variety, and and some were more. As far as who was on stage, of course, you had the, the people, the actors, and then you even had some behind-the-scene people, and then you have just fans, and so it depends what calls to you. I mean, obviously, the smaller cons probably going to be more fan-led um, panels and whatever, and I, what we've heard from Galley, what little we've heard, you know, there's a lot of fan-led ones as well. Yeah, and I think part of that's just pre-planning. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to rock up at the, at the con whenever we get ourselves sorted we stay with your parents and Mm so you know it's it's a little bit dictated by that as well um and so we look and see what panels are playing when we happen to get there Mm -hmm. but possibly looking at panels in advance and going oh that time at that time so yeah but we've been talking a lot about what we're going to wear. Right. And so... To both the... That's what brought this... Sorry. We, <laughs> no, you're fine. We went well into the Tiny weeds, wimey. guys. I'm really sorry. Because we've got the Fayetteville one coming up. And then, of course, we've got Galley coming up in uh, February. And ideally, for me at least, I'd like to have a costume that would work for both. Right. And, I, you know, you have your TARDIS dress. Which I do. you have. Yes. Have which my... my mother made for me. Exactly. Shout, nice. shout out to Ma. <laughs> And I have sort of my Captain Jack jacket, and so I've done that before. Well, um, yep, we did that as a couple the first year. Couple of what, though? A couple <laughs> of what? I bought. But anyway, but I'm always, you know, in looking for new things to do. Of course, I'm someone who tends to, I will buy a piece or two, but since I'm not a, I don't make things, certainly. I mean, I suppose I could always ask your mom to do it for me if, if, yeah. I, if it was nice, but I hate to do that. So I'm often thinking of what can I pull from my closet? So, like, I think an 11 I can often do. I don't, and, and I'm more of a, you know, I would love to do screen accurate cosplay because obviously I think that's the coolest. But I'm, for me personally, if I can find something that's close or an homage, I'm like, I'll do it. So, like, an 11 I can usually do because the suspenders, the shirt, the pants, bow tie, I can usually get something within the realm. The jacket will probably not be exact, but sort of hit the sort of first series 11. Um, or his first look, I can usually pull off. Now his jacket's going to get fancier as it goes on, so I don't have as fancy of a jacket as he does. But what I've been thinking recently is with twelve, which is surprising because I, you know, if I had to rank my doctors, I don't know if he would be in the top five. But there's a certain look that he has, which I don't know would be almost his sort of second or last series look of his of, and I think it's interesting for the doctor and the twelfth doctor and Peter Capaldi because he's dressing. You have an, an older gentleman dressing like a twenty year old. But it works, and I, I can totally find, works. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, and that's the look I'm I'm thinking of, of where he's wearing the t-shirt, wearing the hoodie, and then wearing sort of a nicer jacket. I have kind of a velvet uh, jacket that's obviously not the same as what he has, but it's kind of a close, you know, to his magician's jacket. And so that's kind of a look. And then I can find some dark sunglasses to be the, the 
the, complete the look and there. maybe an electric guitar exactly something to think yeah. about if anyone something has a spare electric guitar yeah. i can use that uh yeah and i on the other hand as a performer i want something a little bit more and i have absolutely no qualms about asking my <laughs> 71 year old mother to make all my costumes for me and even make yours so you know if you got something in mind uh, so I'm still mulling it over. I feel like everybody, I feel like there's going to be a lot of 13 there, at, uh, certainly at Galley. Mm-hmm. And so that's not necessarily the direction I want to go in. Um, I could potentially do a different TARDIS dress. Depends how intricate you want to do. I mean, Missy's very intricate if you wanted to go that direction, Victorian dress. Uh, and, and I'm not sure that would be too terribly hard in terms of costume pattern. I mean, there are probably some things in my current costume store that could work. I, I like the idea of doing Missy. Parasol or the umbrella or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's not <laughs> just little... Victorian. It's a little bit steampunky. Mm-hmm. And I do love that. Maybe Missy's the way I need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always good to have a character you connect to. Now, which I, of course, I'm going to contradict myself because, like I said, 12's not my favorite, but yet I'm going towards him. But then again, I'm, I don't know, old and grumpy, right? And I can't think of anything that is particularly iconic in what Riversong wears. Right. Like I said, her hair, I think, is what I was telling you. And I got iconic. nothing there. Yeah. yeah, no, that doesn't work for me at all. But I'd love to do Riversong. Uh, so if anybody has a really old astronauts. <laughs> That's right. If anyone have any 1960s NASA era astronaut suits that you're not using, we can send her size. She's, she's pretty small. She can fit into it. Yeah. Just think Clara size. You know, there we go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But if anybody has any good ideas or good suggestions that you don't mind giving up, uh, mm-hmm. let me know. Yeah. Or if you have any what you're, any cosplays that you're particularly proud of, you can always send uh, some pics to uh, Oh, yeah. On Twitter, we'll gle- gleefully retweet them because and, and, we like to spread the awesomeness. And, of course, our Twitter here is... At Join Nerd Party is the network Twitter of the Nerd Party we're a part of. And then personally, if you want to tweet either one of us with ideas or, or your great works or con, other con suggestions, you can tweet me at NC Public Servant. And I am at One Phoenix Theater. Awesome. All right, darling. Well, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Cybermen, darling. From their first appearance in the first Doctor serial, The Tenth Planet, to their most recent outing, Killing the Twelfth Doctor in The Doctor Falls, these villains have evolved perhaps more than any other Doctor Who enemy. While their plans of conquest are often the same, their look, sound, and abilities have changed over 50 years. However, the Cybermen can sometimes be confused with another sci-fi franchise's bad guys, Star Trek's Borgs. This led to a comic book company, IDW, creating a crossover series between Doctor Who, featuring the 11th Doctor Amy and Rory, with Star Trek The Next Generation, featuring Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of Enterprise-D. What happens when the Borg team up with the Cybermen? And what is the legacy of the Doctor's metallic cyber foes? Ooh, all good questions. Thank you, baby. I came up with them all by myself. (laughs) So, first of all, I don't know what order you want to go in. Do you want to talk Cybermen in general, or do you want to talk about the comic series? I think we need to talk about Cybermen in general. Okay. Well, I think... To start. Not to put you on the spot, but I think you've sort of gotten a good taste, though, of the Cybermen evolving their look. Yes. Because 
you, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for you, but you've watched New Who first, and so you sort of had that modern Cyberman look. And then we watched The Tenth Planet at some point, and yep. you saw the, the initial look. The first, yep. And then you've sort of seen kind of in between, sort of the later, I don't know how to describe it, but the, even when we were at, uh, when we were in uh, London at the doc, at the Who shop, mm-hmm. and you saw the, the sort of the museum piece they had with, with sort of that, I don't know, it wasn't the 70s, but late 60s, 70s Cybermen was sort of that middle period yeah. of Cybermen. So like we saw with the second and third and fourth. But anyway, so what, what do you kind of think of the evolving look? I think it works, and I think it's something that they can fit in quite nicely with the upgrading. Mm-hmm. So you can totally justify the fact that today's Cybermen don't look like the Cybermen that were with the first Doctor. And I kind of love that. It just fits really nicely, and I quite like that working out. Um, so, and and when we see some of Bill's time with the Cybermen, we see some of the older ones mm-hmm. as well, which is very interesting, um, the sort of sock monkey look that they have. Daisian. I'm probably saying that wrong. The Mondasian. Whatever, Cybermen. But then, then yeah, the more... Yeah, yeah. The general evolution. So I think that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What do you think of them as a Doctor Who villain? Are you... When you see it's a Cyberman story, are you like, yay? Or are you like, okay. Again, I tend to prefer the stories that have more moral dilemma to it mm-hmm. than the Cybermen necessarily do. Which I think is why Bill's time as a Cyberman is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when, I mean, Danny Pink is a Cyberman for a while, isn't he? And, yeah. and those sorts of the struggle of someone to escape. I find much more interesting than just this horde of Cybermen coming to kill everything. Cool. Well, I think we can come back to that, because that's I think there's a lot to say there. Yeah. But let's go on to what I forced you to read. Yes. And that is the Assimilation Squared storyline from IDW. Again, it's the Star Trek... What does IDW stand for? It's just the name of the... I, I mean, I'm sure it stands for something, but it's just the name of the comic We don't company. know what it is. Okay. It'd be like Marvel or DC. It's just okay. IDW. I'm sure it stands for something. I, I just don't know. Okay. Um, interstellar you could have just opened with that. Drawing, writing... Now you're just making stuff up, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. But anyway. So, yes, I read all your comic strips. <laughs> but I thought it was an interesting premise, and this is a couple years old, um, but I sort of remember that sort of iconic comic book cover I saw at one point with, like, Matt Smith sitting in the captain's chair... And Amy and Rory by his sides. So this is what twenty twelve. So it's been a little bit. I, this is my first chance to actually get to read it. So I was sort of intrigued by it. And since we were talking Cybermen, I thought it'd be a good jumping off point. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, you know, being the Star Trek nerd, and I promise I'll keep these Star Trek references de minimis here. Oh but, God! If he could, if he, if he just does that during the time that we're doing this podcast, I consider my life infinitely quieter. Yes. So, <laughs> but of course, the Cybermen are always, and, and you know, let's first be clear the Cybermen predate the Borg, of course. Of course, Cybermen were around 1960, whatever, and the Borg didn't come around until the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. But anyway, so I guess it was fairly stolen. But anyway, the, you know, Cybermen are all about assimilation some of the time. Sort of the, the latter day Cybermen are more assimilation, doesn't really come up necessarily in the early stories right as yeah. much but anyway but that's sort of the borg and actually the borg really weren't about assimilation until they're sort of their first Although, or second stories. you say that by the second cyberman story the one that we're going to talk about in a minute mm-hmm. it's very much about 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that was their third outing, but don't quote me. But yes. Oh, yes okay. Yes. But yeah, yeah. But it, it's sort of interesting. Different looks, different talks, but the sort of cybernetic assimilate. Very similar. But yes. Anyway, yeah. But to but, the story itself. But I think far enough apart. Yes. To. Not yeah. be sued. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, so just speaking to the, the storyline, and there's a lot to talk about, I'm sure, but the main storyline, and this isn't a spoiler because it's the entire plot. Is that somehow it's not really explained? Um, the world, yeah, the worlds of Star Trek: The Next Generation and Doctor, who are you know, they acknowledge that those are different realities or something, but somehow that they've combined. Somehow the Cybermen yes. have figured out a way to cross over and meet up with the Borgs and work together to destroy all of time and right. space. And the Borg are like deer; it's just. Borgs. So, with the Cybermen, what they... I'll take that under advice. That's right. So, with the the Cybermen his team's up with the Borg, like you said, but the Cybermen take over the Borg and uh, basically start to steal some of their technology. Decide to assimilate them as well, yes. And so basically this, the, well, I mean, there's multiple issues, but we just read them as two bound uh, comic volumes, or graphic novel volumes. But anyway, the, the sort of plot is that the uh, doctor meets the, the Enterprise D and, and this. Are, can we, do we team up with the Borg to defeat the Cybermen? And that's sort of the whole plot, uh, more or less. Um, but sort of what did you think of how the Cybermen and then maybe even the Doctor and Amy and Rory were, were in this story? Yeah, I, I felt like I, the thing that I really liked about this was that I felt like I could hear everyone's voices. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always a concern when you do a mashup. You know, I could still hear Jean-Luc Picard. I could still hear the Doctor. Um, the Cybermen made as much sense as they ever do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and how much spoiler am I allowed to? Uh, it's it's, it's, uh, it's spoiler from 2012. Alert. Yeah, so, so spoiler alert, folks. We're going to talk spoilers. Um, at the end, when the first lieutenant, lieutenant, am I, is that right? I don't know who you're talking Riker. About. Commander. Commander. Sorry. Number one. Number one. Yes. I knew that. Okay. But I couldn't even Smashing come up with it. Anyway, uh, when Riker's friend is partially assimilated, mm-hmm. Riker feels, is, is doing what he can to, you know, can we save this guy? What can we do? How can we save him? Which echoes, of course, then ultimately what happens with Bill and then feels betrayed when his friend is a Cyberman and there's nothing you can do. Um, and I thought that that was very true. I mean, it was true for Bill. It was true for Danny Pink. So I, f- I feel like even though you are combining two very different worlds, and theoretically the people who wrote both of those worlds didn't have anything to do with this particular story, it was very true mm-hmm. to itself, or yeah. to themselves, as the case may be. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to have the Cybermen take over the Borg in as, you know, in as much as they did, you know, versus the other way around. Yeah. But, but it sort yeah. of makes the threat, sort of makes them the threat, so then the Doctor has to be the expert that... that... Well, and also, it gives you that big conflict, because if they had had to decide whether to team up with the Cybermen to defeat the Borgs, we wouldn't have had Picard's history. Right. And that plays a very important part in this. Mm-hmm. Right, and I don't... I mean, well... 
I guess, to, to, to go a little far from Cybram, but I thought it was interesting because the, a big part of the story is the Doctor and Rory and Amy, you know, when they meet um, Captain Picard and the Enterprise-D, I mean, for those Trekkies, this would probably be, we don't know the exact, you know, when this would be, but, but you know, season four, I would think. But what they do is then they then travel back in time to Wolf 359 and the Best of Both Worlds, part two-parter, where, you know, Picard is assimilated as Locutus mm-hmm. and they have to sort of, encounter that timeline so it's sort of an interesting very doctor who story about you know it's volcano day but there's nothing we can do yeah yeah absolutely the only part that i found a little bit jarring was when they go back in time to deal with william shatner oh okay that was my i think that's actually my favorite part because i'm reading the the first volume and the premise of this, you just have to go with it, right? The premise <laughs> of this is that because there's been sort of this incursion, for lack of a better one, to these other realities, the Doctor, as often happens in a multi-Doctor story, doesn't have any memory, you know, this is... But when that happens, suddenly Doctor remembers a past encounter with the Enterprise, except it's not Captain Picard's Enterprise, it's Captain Kirk's Enterprise. And I love the way they actually literally change the art style. Mm. And it goes to sort of this sort of more... Older comic book style, very sort of regular, bright primary colors, just like the original series of Star Trek. And it's the fourth Doctor meeting Captain Kirk, which is the most awesome thing in the world. Yeah, and see, I didn't like it. It was too messy. Really? It was, I was already, and maybe part of it's where it came in the story, because the first part of the very first bit, I was confused anyway, because we were, we did a scene with, uh, Rory and Amy and the Doctor, and they're on a chariot in Roman times. And we see, oh, we see the attack on Earth, I right. guess, is well, what's happening. Well, it's another planet. Oh, because right, yeah. Deltons. Yes, so we've got that, and then we've got the chariots, and then we've got this film noir thing, and things were already starting to get muddled for me, and then they finally sort of clarified, and I was like, oh, that's how all of these things tie in together. Mm-hmm. I've finally got a grip on this. Whoop! There's Dr. Co- Mr. Cook, Kirk, and, and, and the doctor, and I, gummies, and I can't. It was it was too much. It was too much for my head. But then, of course, they had the old Cybermen. <laughs> you know, yes, the, yeah. Or the, the Cybermen of the fourth Doctor era. So yeah. I thought that was very cool to see. Yeah, no, you, and like I say, perhaps if that had come in the second book mm-hmm. or something like that, given me a little bit of time to get used to what was happening in this mashup and then thrown that at me, I think I could have potentially gone along with it, enjoyed it. But Now, the jarring part for me, and I get from a storytelling perspective why you do this, but when Captain Picard is basically like, nah, let the Cybermen destroy the Borg. And see, I totally got that mm-hmm. because of his history. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot team up with these things that have done such horrible things to me personally. Not, you know, not to mention all of the other things. And the Borgs visually... The Borg. Sorry, I did play you. <laughs> Philip's laughing at me because I continued to I, plural. My laughing hides the wince. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, baby. The Borg visually are so much more hive. I find them quite scary, and so I, I got it. I understood it completely. Mm-hmm. 
Because um, the Cybermen, even though technically they are doing kind of the same thing of, of assimilating people and have brains in their... And a but, hive mind but, kind of thing. But they're so uniform looking, you don't see the scars as where with the Borg, you see the people, you yeah. see what they used to be. Yeah, and you also, the Borg ship has this hive-like quality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it it is much more intimidating, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so no, I I understood that completely. Yeah. Um, I found it, it felt like they were trying to cram all the characters in. I think quite possibly Guinan and Troy could have done the same thing. Like, <laughs> you're, you're saying something that almost every Star Trek The Next Generation fan has ever said about the whole series, but yes. All right, okay, okay, that's good to know. Uh, because Troy's doing all of these empath things and Guinan's doing all of this historical stuff. And I feel like that could have just been one character. Yes. We won't go into, is Guinan the real ship's counselor? Um, I've done that episode on another show. Uh, City Alpha 3, also on the Nerd Party Network. But anyway. But so, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. I mean, you got to have Whoopi Goldberg. If Whoopi Goldberg wants to be on your show, you let Whoopi Goldberg be on your exactly. show. Whether or not she necessarily needs to be in your comic strip. I think, because um, again, how much do you need to know about Star Trek to enjoy this comic? I don't think you need to know a lot. Um, I think you still enjoy it if you're just a Doctor Who fan. But Guinan is critical to the Borg story just because her people have faced the Borg and then she was instrumental in Best of Both Worlds, uh, counseling okay. Riker about any, okay. anyway, and, and anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's fair. In which case, ditch Troy. <laughs> you know, I, so, no, for, for these purposes. Mm-hmm. Um but, but, but you said you enjoy well, not probably words in your mouth, but you enjoyed it as an 11th Doctor Cyberman story. Or yeah. Not, yes? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. The, I'm not a fan, if I can be critical of anything, I'm not a fan of the art in this. You can be very critical all the time, yeah, darling. Yeah. But the um, art in this is not a, like, actually, that's why I think why I enjoyed the Captain Kirk meets the fourth Doctor, because uh, it was like, oh, I can actually tell things now, whereas most of the art in here is very... Abstract's not the word. I know I'm not an artist, so I could know the word, but it's all very a little blurred for me. I do like the end of both of the books that show bigger artwork. I think mm-hmm. it, you know, I thought it was quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so check it out if you want to. I would say rent, not buy, in my opinion. But I don't know. That's I don't know what Jessica's opinions would be. Well, I mean, for us, a Star Trek Doctor Who mashup was probably worth the money. Yes. So, any favorite Cybermen stories or moments? Yep, going back to Bill. Yes. Um, So, the Doctor Falls and the one before that. It's a two-parter. Yes. Just so nicely done. From beginning to end, you know, from the moment she gets put down at the bottom of the ship Mm -hmm. and the Master is controlling it and how ultimately she becomes the Cyberman but then doesn't see herself and is still fighting it. And so we see her as Bill, but you look in the mirror and it's the Cyberman. There's just so much really nice humanity to it that, like I say, I way prefer over the sort of faceless metallic enemy. And I think that's the interesting story to me of the Cybermen. It's not usually the Cybermen themselves because... They're pretty bland, like, you know, bum, 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 delete, delete, and then maybe they have some plan. You gotta kill them, you yeah. gotta kill them. And I also think, oftentimes, not always, the classic Cybermen are a little bit more interesting, because they sort of have a little more elaborate plots, where the new Who Cybermen tend to be a little bit more hive mind, whereas mm-hmm. the, the uh, not that they're not hive mind in the classic stories, but they tend to have a little more individual 
like maybe because they you know they couldn't like cgi a bunch or whatever so well, they have to like, have like characters yeah to... and like the one is it the one where the boys killed it is isn't it with the cybermen where they've got a leader mm-hmm. and you know they're pouring over maps and things like that and we just don't see that really at all with mm-hmm. them and i think that was the 10th planet their first one they actually had names i think in that first appearance but but i think the the more interesting story with the Cybermen that you can do and what they do do in both classic and new who the more new who is what you talked about the assimilation can you fight the cybermen when they come after you you know you talk about danny pink mm. um as interesting as he is but anyway but you no know, but, but that's but that's the whole point of his story is he's fighting you know and losing and ultimately quits not the right word but you know with the whole car having to turn off his feelings so he can i guess do what he has to do but anyway you know that's the whole thing of course the very first appearance with the, with the first doctor you know love i forget that famous quote they always have of him saying you know love emotion da, 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 because the cybermen are supposed to take away all your emotions and that's why they make you quote unquote so efficient and all the stories would be like the cybermen going like doctor your feelings are your weakness you know whatever and so i'm trying to think even um with craig uh james corden his episode or second episode with the cybermen when they're about to assimilate him, and I think it's he hears his baby crying or something, and or something, and that's kind of what how he fights off the assimilation process. So it's all about can you keep your humanity when the cyber assimilators are taking you over? Yeah, and that's where I find the Cybermen interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, those moments, even if they happen to Danny Pink and James Corden and Bill, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, but they all happen in sort of different ways, right. and I think that it. Um, that's an evolution as well. Though I did, I, a cool Cyberman moment. This is a, a cool is is the tenth Doctor story. I can't remember the name, but anyway, it's basically when the Cyberman and the Daleks fight, and you just have that funny. It's with Rose when she ends up getting sucked into the other dimension. It's Torchwood when they're in Torchwood, Torchwood One, London, um, but Canary Canary Wharf. But anyway, I can't remember the exchange. But it's like to me, it's always a funny scene if I can find it on YouTube of like. You have the Daleks and the Cybermen of like identify yourself. No, identify yourself, and it's like you know, delete, exterminate, and they just fight. You know, it's just sort of like the thing you always wanted to see. You know, with the two villains fighting each other, it's sort of it's almost funny in a way the way they talk to each other. But yeah, so kind of like when Siri and uh, Alexa talk to each other you know? all the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Can we make that happen? Is you that can. A- I think you can. So oh, we can okay. play with that. We're later. gonna we'll, we're gonna work on that. Sure. So, um, do you want to see a Cyberman story with the 13th Doctor? I think that... Well, it's going to happen, I guess. I was going to say, yeah. How soon do you want to see that? I think think it's an inevitability. Uh, And again, I think it's one of the things that that brings me joy with each new Doctor, is that there are the familiar elements. I think she's got three companions, so one of them could easily succumb to the Cybermen. um, And we can have this whole thing again. Um, my votes for Bradley, Bradley Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that he'd probably make a pretty decent Cyberman. Just putting that out there to anybody who wants to write about it. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's inevitable. And sure, let's let's see what happens. You know, the irony—he's going to be your favorite companion. Probably. You don't know it. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have anything against Bradley Walsh at all, and I've found him quite amusing many times. He's a funny guy. He's got a lot of personality. I just think 
interesting choice. Yes. I, ju- <laughs> I just feel like Doctor Who went, right, we've got a woman. We are breaking glass ceilings all over the place. Now, where are we going to put the old white guy? Because we got to have him. Uh, so, that that is not a personal affront, necessarily, uh, to Bradley Walsh, although he's still also a really strange and interesting choice. By far the most recognizable out of the four of them. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Cool. Put him in a sock monkey outfit. Let's go. There we go. What about you? Do you want to see? Or what do you want to see? What do you... Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it, it, my reflex is to say not right away. But, you know, as long as you can make them interesting, of course, that's the caveat with any alien, right? Or any villain or anything. But I think it's, that's, is, and I don't know. I, for you listeners, we were t- you, Jessica, were talking about the, the, the uh, seeing uh, old enemies again. That's a comforting thing. I sometimes think that works for and against Doctor Who is that we, you know, we got to have a Dalek story. We got to have a Siren story. We got to have a Sun Terran story. We got to have, we have Where are these... the Weeping Angels? Yeah. Somebody bring out the Weeping Angels. Which, you know, I think there's the, if we use them too much, does it sort of water them down? But then again, it's this legacy of Doctor Who. We're not not going to ever use them. But it, and so I think it's having to, and that's the writer's room challenge, of course, always. You know, Chris Chibnall and everyone else. You know, how do you make them interesting? And of course, then you have the challenge. Well, if we change them too much, then fans are going to be like, what the heck are you doing? You know. For, uh, case in point, the red and yellow and blue Daleks. Yes, exactly. Which I didn't think was that big of a deal, but I know people did. So. But yeah, people so, yeah, rioted on the streets, yeah, I exactly. think. Is, is what- so yeah, so I don't know. It's make, you know but you know, got to be nothing wrong with taking risks. Absolutely. So anyway. On both sides. Right, darling, let's jump into the TARDIS library. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I'll make the noise for you so you don't have to, to edit it in. You're welcome. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out what was considered one of the best Cybermen stories. And so just a little Google, this was a suggestion. So I went with it. So we're going to be talking about the Tomb of the Cybermen, the second Doctor story. So this first premiered on 2 September 1967. So, darling, would you like to give a synopsis for The Tomb of the Cybermen? I am desperate to. The TARDIS arrives on the planet Telos, where an Earth archaeological expedition led by Professor Perry is trying to uncover the lost tombs of the Cybermen. With a lot of help from the doctor, the archaeologists enter the tombs. There, one of the party, Kleeg, reveals himself and his business partner, Kaftan, to be planning to revive the Cybermen. He wants to use their strength, allied with the intelligence of his own brotherhood of logicians, to create an invisible, invincible, excuse me, invincible force for conquest. It transpires, however, that the tomb is actually a giant trap designed to lure humans suitable for conversion into Cybermen, a fate that almost befalls Captain's assistant, Toberman. After fending off an attack by Cybermats, small but dangerous cybernetic creatures, the Doctor destroys the Controller, defeats the revived Cybermen, and reseals the tomb. Spoiler alert. Dum-dum-dum! Thank you, TARDIS.Wikia, as always, for those yes, synopsis. Yes, thank you. Um, and and again, me for my theatrical reading of it. It was, because when you read it, it definitely sounded like Brotherhood of Logicians, unlike in the episode where every time it sounds like Brotherhood of the Magicians. I swear every time it did. Okay, well, good. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I do what I can. Mm-hmm. So what'd you think of this Cyberman outing? 
Although I think anytime you go into an old tomb where there's big old pictures of the Cybermen, you probably shouldn't be like, you know what? Let's open this thing. Yeah, <laughs> let's break this bad boy open and see what pops I'm out. I'm like, there's clearly, I, I mean, I know they and haven't watched And immediately Cybermen. they touch the door and somebody dies. And they're like, nope, keep going, keep going. This is good, this is good. In fairness, the second doctor then was like, no guys, I got this. Which he did over and over and over again. This is the, this whole enabler. thing is, yeah, he right. He also sends mixed messages. He's like, I'll open it, but you shouldn't go in. And this is really all dangerous. Yeah, here's the answer to the big puzzle you've been trying to figure out. But don't complete the puzzle. (laughs) Come on, doctor. (laughs) Uh, There were a lot of people. There were. This felt like a really a lot of people that Mm -hmm. I needed to care about. Don't worry, most of them died. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, So there were the two bad guys and then the head of the team and the doctor and his two companions and the two American guys and the bad girl's slave? Yeah, Toberman is, is problematic. Problematic, problematic. At, at the best of times. Yes. So, now, what are you talking about with the Americans? <laughs> they had lots of things to do in this episode. We don't have time to argue. Yeah, it was, yeah, bless. Uh, there were a lot of people. Again, you probably could have shrunk this down a little bit. Or killed him off earlier like you did that first guy. Yeah. You know, at least have three people try the door before you go, oh no, it really is electrocuting people. So some things of note. This is Victoria's, well, I guess, second serial, but I, having not seen, well, I've seen them all, but I don't remember. But anyway, she was first introduced in the serial beforehand. So this is sort of Victoria's first time in the TARDIS traveling somewhere first else. First proper outing, yes. yeah. And so Victoria and Jamie are the companions, the traditional second Doctor companions, I suppose. And then uh, with the Cybermen, this is the introduction, introduction, I guess, of the Cybermats, the little cyberbugs or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. This is the first time they were used to give a little bit sort of a life and assistance to the Cybermen. So. Absolutely, yep. And then I don't, I don't know if you have watched this version of the Cybermen. I don't know what to call them, you know, other than... They're not the sock monkey ones. That's true. They're not the sock monkey ones. Yeah. Phase two, I don't know. Um, And so they sort of have the different voices. They all sort of have that deep doctor and their little lips move and all that stuff. Bless. Yeah. But I I thought it was a good, interesting Cyberman story. Um, You you have have the Cyber Controller, which I guess that was also an introduction of of having someone called the Cyber Controller, I guess, for the first time. Yeah. Um, He had the big brain, so, you know, in case you didn't know. Instead of a name tag. But anyway. <laughs> it would have been funny if his name had been written on his brain. There but you go. They don't always think that far in advance. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, it's an old story, but an interesting one of, no, no, I'll get this big, powerful enemy who I can use for my ends. And they'll listen and to what? me. what? It's gone wrong? They've turned against me? How did me? that happen? Who would have ever yeah, saw that? I mean, it's a trope. But it, it it's works. a trope because it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, it, being told, at least from the interweb, that this was one of the better Cyberman stories, would, would you agree, or would you think? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, again, what you're, what you're measuring that on, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a whole lot of heart and moral choices in this, so for me, I wouldn't put it in my top. Mm-hmm. But as far as Cyberman stories, you've got the whole Egyptian tomb kind of thing going on, and... Uh, so yeah, I mean, it worked for me. Yeah, I thought watching this, and and I I think I will say this every time, but I, I'm enjoying the second Doctor a lot more. I mean, you you tell me. I, I think he has this sort of 
innocent and naive is not maybe the right word. This enthusiasm, this childlike enthusiasm about things sometimes. You know, I'll open the door, I'll solve this, or this will be cool. But then he can also just sort of swing the other way, being the sort of one who's sort of like yelling about danger uh, or trying to, and no one will listen to him usually. You know, he's trying to warn, you know, these are the Cybermen, this is what they're going to do. Why won't you listen to me? You know, and, and then um, taking care of Jamie and Victoria. But I don't know what, what you thought sort of your, now that you've seen a little bit more Second Doctor. Yeah, he didn't play the recorder at all in this That's series. That's true. You're right. Um, so that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria's a screamer. That's fun. Yeah, she's a bit China doll. Yeah. Um, so. And Jamie's so far a little bit of a lump. Yeah, a bit of a Scottish. This this wasn't a, a great showcase. This is not a series that I would submit for my Emmy nomination. Well, you mean you're Olivier. Okay. Yes. My Brit Award. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not part of it because I didn't see a whole lot of interesting. And again, and maybe that was part of the problem. You know, the two lunky Americans could have done the stuff that Jamie was doing as well. Well, I did, uh, I did love the, the, because it was, I mean, in as much as it was, I thought it was interesting sets or locations. You sort of had your main tomb and then you had your sub tomb of where the Cyberman stuff was which I'm sure were two different sets but anyway it doesn't matter but then I sort of thought like they've hit their budget so like you know we got the spaceship we can go into no <laughs> I have to repair the spaceship you can't go in there and I'm like you just can't afford a spaceship set can you yeah, yeah absolutely yeah wait here I'll let you know when it's finished <laughs> can, can we see it please no no, no. <laughs> well darling Yes. What are we going to talk about next time? Sorry. Well, no, I thought we would kind of continue a bit in the second Doctor vein, if you don't mind. Okay. And we're going to do a bit of a, what we do every now and then, to kind of do a whole feature. Try to take over the world? Exactly. <laughs> but do a feature on, on a actual, uh, you know, serial. We, we did Shada. Uh, Shada. A few uh, episodes uh. ago. Exactly. <laughs> but this time we're going to do, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the enemy of the world. A second Doctor serial, long thought to have been lost, but um, was released on DVD a few, several years ago. Say a few years ago, several years ago. Turns was, out it was in Hong Kong. Exactly, but was re-released on DVD recently with some more special features and and remastered and all that stuff. And so it's one of those uh, few full second Doctor serials um, that was previously thought not there. So we're gonna. So it's full. It's audio. It's video. Everything. It's That's right. Everything. No animation this time. That's very exciting. <laughs> Although. No, the animation didn't bother me too much. No. So we're going to be talking about the enemy of the world and Patrick Troughton playing two different parts. Yes, that's exciting. So And th- so then we're going to have to go a little bit timey-wimey, I presume, since we're spending the majority of our time in Classic Who. We're going to have to jump into the TARDIS library and go into the future. That's right. Uh, if we don't usually preview the TARDIS library, but I don't mind it. Um, we are going to be talking in the, or looking to the TARDIS library. We're going to be talking about the 11th Doctor and the Silver Nightmare, if I have that Nightmare and Silver, the episode cor- title correct. That is when the 11th Doctor also, pl- or Matt Smith plays sort of the 11th Doctor and the Cyber Controller. So we're talking about Doctor actors playing two parts. Yep. That'll be fun. So don't miss it. Well, until next week, darling, you're my favorite person in all of time and space to cyber with. To to cy- cyber with? What does that even mean? Oh, d- Dalek with or d- Dalek, Doctor no, with? No, I think you... Uh, no, I don't oh. think any of that works. Sontaran with. Seriously, how much longer until I can get my upgrade? <laughs>
This is BBC Television.